I love Baptism Sunday um, because when we gather around baptisms, we celebrate that God is moving in people's lives. And that is always exciting. Um, And that's what we're going to do today, really, as we head towards baptisms at the end of our service. We're going to celebrate that Jesus is working in the lives of these guys. And I think it's significant, really, that baptisms fall within our um, gather series. Because when we gather, lives are changed. When we gather around Jesus, he changes lives. And that is what we're going to hear about and celebrate today. This series, we've talked about communion. And we said about having Jesus at the center of our lives and our gatherings, that we gather around his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. We've talked about gathering to worship, that when we gather, it's not about what can I get out of this, it's about what can I bring, what can I give. We've talked about gathering, and when we do, Jesus speaks, he, he reveals himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but we go away changed. We go away different to how we came in. Not because of anything we've done, not because of anything um, the worship team have done as a preacher, often not because the preacher was great, but because Jesus showed up. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he did something in our lives. I want to tell you today that you have a story. Let me say that again. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you have a story. A beautiful story that God has written, is writing in your life. A God-ordained, Jesus-centered, Holy Spirit-filled story. I love a good story, and storytelling is an art. Every great story has characters. It has a setting, a plot, a conflict, and then a resolution. The character is who the story is about. The setting is where it happens. The plot is like the beginning, the middle, the end, the ups and downs. The the conflict is the problem in the story, and then often there's a resolution, which is how the problem or the conflict is resolved. I love a good story. And you know when you listen to and hear a good story, don't you? You also know when a story is really rambling and boring and disconnected because your mind starts to wander and you start to look over the person's shoulder who's telling you the story. Have you ever watched a film that's kept you so transfixed throughout the whole two hours? You know, you end it and you go, I didn't even move for my phone during that film. It's just kept you on the edge of your seat. I watched one the other week. It was an amazing story, like out of this world story. And I was thinking, how did someone dream this up? And then the credits started to roll at the end. And the first thing it said was this, based on a true story. I was like, no, That could not be based on a true story. It is totally unbelievable. That cannot have happened. But I think there's something that true stories bring that carries some weight. More than fiction or make-believe, this actually happened. 
This is actually based on truth, on a true story. It takes it, that story from theory, from someone's dreaming up to reality. This happened. And today we're going to hear some stories of the guys getting baptized. These aren't made up stories. They're not fiction. These are real life, true stories of how Jesus has impacted their lives. In John chapter 9, one of Jesus' um, closest friends and disciples tells us about a guy who had one of these stories, who simply shared his life-changing story with those around him. John 9, 1 says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. We don't know much about this man. We don't know his name. All we know at this point is that he's been blind since birth. Read on a few more verses, and in verse 8 of chapter 9, we find a little bit more about him. He's the man who used to sit and beg. So not only is this man, he's been blind since birth, but he also has to beg. He's in need. And Jesus comes into his story and does something that changes his life. And it's a bit weird. After saying this, he spat on the ground, okay, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Whoa, surely not. This can't be a real story. He was blind and now he sees. This cannot be, wait, wait a minute, he spat on the ground. He mixed that mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. This is just a bit odd. I mean, if this was my story, I'd have loved the fact that I was blind and now I saw. Less so about the middle bit. I'm not sure if I want the saliva of someone in my eyes. But the blind man cooperates. And he follows Jesus' instructions. And look what happens in verse 7. So the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. Wow, a miracle. This man had been blind since birth, and suddenly he can see. Can you even imagine that? For years you've lived in literally utter darkness. You cannot see. And in a matter of minutes, Jesus comes into your life and story and suddenly you can see. You go literally from darkness to light. Now, obviously, this guy is a bit shell-shocked and quite blown away. And he can't stop telling people what has happened. He says this in his own words, verse 11. The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool and wash. So I went, I washed, and now I can see. Notice he can't fully explain how it happened. He can't tell us what it was that made him see. Was it the mud? Was it Jesus? He, he just knows that this was what his life was. Jesus came along. And now this is what his life is. And what I love about that story is its simplicity. 
And maybe you're in that place as well. Maybe you're a Christian and you, you can't always explain exactly how Jesus came into your life or how exactly you were healed or how he provided or how, like Ollie was saying, he provided that finance out of that route out of debt. I can't explain it. I just know it happened. And I know Jesus was in the middle of it. Maybe you just know in your heart that this is true, that he is your Lord and Savior. You can't always explain it. You just know his power and his presence. Later, the man is asked again because people are dubious. Maybe they're even cynical. They go, surely this can't have happened. And he's asked again. This man says simply this in John 9, 25. I was blind. Now I see. Maybe some people were going, What's, is this mud got like special healing properties? Maybe others were a bit cynical and said, was he really blind? Maybe some looked at Jesus and said, what, this is all a bit weird. What is going on here? But he simply shared his story. I was this. I met Jesus. And now I'm this. I was this. I met Jesus. And now I'm this. I think there's a beautiful simplicity in that. I wonder what that story is for you. I was this. I met Jesus, and now I'm this. And this is what we're doing when we celebrate baptisms today. These guys are saying publicly, I was this, I met Jesus, and now I'm this. Before this miracle happened, Jesus said something. He said, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. His story included his blindness. It also included his seeing. I was this, I met Jesus, now I'm this. And for those getting baptized today, in each of their lives and stories are moments and experiences that they've gone through. Maybe not even, not, not always great, not always easy, but they're part of their story. So that the works of God might be displayed in them. It took me a while um, to get used to the fact to actually believe that I had a story worth sharing. And maybe some people are in this place today. I used to think that I didn't have a good enough story. I mean, no one came and rubbed mud in my eyes. My story's boring. There's there's nothing to it. It's not going to keep people on the edge of their seat. And then one day I was in a gathering at our previous church and um, we were sharing some stories and there was a guy there who shared his story. And he began to share how he'd been addicted to various substances, about how that substance addiction had had an impact on his relationships and that resulted in two failed marriages over a, a, a number of years. And eventually he got to the point where he hit absolute rock bottom And at rock bottom, he met Jesus. He had nothing else left. And he cried out to Jesus to save him. And amazingly, miraculously, on that day, he never went back to the drugs. He was healed of his addiction. He had an experience of God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he never went back. 
He was this. He met Jesus. Now he was this. His life was completely changed. Yes, he had some rough edges still. But that was his past. That was his story. That was who he he was as well. But I sat there listening to him and I went, wow. Like, wow. Isn't Jesus awesome? And then in my mind I was going, I wish I had a story like that. And I voiced that to him. I said, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing what God has done in your life. I wish I had a story like yours. And he looked at me with a bit of a wry smile. And he said, John, I wish I had a story like yours. I wish I had a happy childhood with parents and family who loved me. I wish I had faith when I was younger. I wish it didn't take rock bottom till I called out to Jesus. I wish I'd had that peace and security of knowing I'm loved. And I sat there and went, isn't it so easy to look at others and want what they have? And it made me realize that day that Jesus has written and is writing a beautiful story in every single one of our lives. He calls you his masterpiece. You're a work of art. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And your story is unique. Your story is beautiful. Your story is your story. And God is writing it. And it, we're not at the end of it. We're, we're not at the beginning. We're in the middle of this story called life that God is writing. And what a beautiful story it is. We said at the beginning, a good story has a conflict or a problem and a resolution. And what I realized on that day when I thought I didn't have a story worth sharing is that God has delivered the greatest resolution to the greatest problem. You see, the greatest problem is sin. Sin is anything we say, do, think that falls short of God's standard. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've dishonored God in our words, thoughts, and actions. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Sin is a problem. And since God is sinless and man is sinful, there is separation between that which is sinless and that which is sinful. Sin causes separation between man and God. And this path, this journey, St. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, leads to death. The Bible says the wages, the, the consequence of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. That does not sound look like good news. It doesn't sound like a great story. It's bad news. But the good news of Jesus is only so good because the bad news is really not great. And the greatest resolution to the greatest problem is that God has rescued us from death to life. And what I realized on that day is I've got a story because my story is this. He's rescued me from death to life. Colossians 1.13 says this. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. 
In Jesus, we are forgiven. We are redeemed to right relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. That, that separation there was has been reconciled. The, the gap has been bridged by the cross of Jesus Christ so that we can be in re- right relationship with God. Verse 21 goes on to say, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We might be right before a holy and a powerful God. That's what it means to be saved. And so I'm undone by his love and his mercy and his goodness. I've got Jesus. How, how could I want more? What greater story is there? What greater resolution to the greatest conflict and problem? You see, Jesus changes lives. And we've heard today and we'll hear today that sometimes this is a massive change, like the blind man. It's like an intervention with a change of direction. Life is radically transformed. Sometimes Jesus changes lives by us having a realization of his presence in the midst of life's ups and downs. You know, when Ollie led us in prayer, we prayed about valleys. And I believe God does take us out of valleys sometimes, but often he leads us through valleys. And it's in those times that we sometimes see the goodness and the favor and the peace and the provision of the Lord. Yet we always want to be on the mountain. That's certainly been my story, that knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's with me, that he's for me, that I can be found in his presence, that I'm held in his everlasting arms, that I'm loved by him, that I'm rooted and secure and anchored to a rock that does not move. And baptism today is a visible sign of saying, I've got Jesus. I'm saved. I've been rescued from death to life. I once was blind, now I see. The old has gone, the new has come. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter preaches to thousands of people and he tells them about the good news of Jesus. He tells them that forgiveness can be theirs in Jesus Christ. He tells them that there is a way to eternity. He preaches the good news to them. And the Bible says that on that day, and Victoria referenced it in her video, that they were cut to their heart. In other words, they they felt something. This wasn't all cerebral. It wasn't in the mind. They, They felt God move amongst them as they gathered. And then they say to Peter, what should we do? And Peter simply replies, repent and be baptized. To repent means to turn away, to do a 180 on what was before, on those sinful attitudes and thoughts to say, that's not me anymore. That's the old me. That's the flesh me. I'm turning away towards Jesus. And this is the new me. 
and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were. They were baptized upon confession of their faith in Jesus. And in doing so today and then, baptism paints a visible sign of something that has already happened in our lives and our hearts. A person who says, yes, I've got Jesus. I'm saved. I give my life to him. Baptism then is a visible picture of what's already happened in our lives. It's a picture of being washed. And these guys will be washed with water today. It's a picture of being forgiven It's a picture of new life. And as they're baptized, I want you to picture the pool a bit like a grave. that They're taken down and they're they're buried in their old ways, their sinful ways, their flesh ways. And Jesus makes them new. And as they come up, they are a new creation in Jesus Christ. They've been raised with him to newness of life. Each one of these guys are courageously declaring their faith in Jesus. They're telling their story of how they've come to follow him. The difference he's made and why they're getting baptized. I was this. I met Jesus. Now I'm this. That's a testimony of their life and your life. And maybe you're here today and the middle bit isn't quite there. You've never said to Jesus, will you come into my life and save me? Today we've talked about the greatest resolution to the greatest problem. Jesus came to save us from sin. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world, all of us, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but have eternal life. We heard from the scripture that when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, people were cut to the heart. And the way I'd use that in our language today is that's the Holy Spirit of God working and moving. And maybe you're here today and you sense God is speaking to you and he's moving in you. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. And God is saying to you, the door is open. Come and approach. And if you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, to give your life to him, what better time is there to do it? If that's you, like these guys have taken a bold step and decision, why don't you raise your hand to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Fantastic. And right where you are, maybe as a way of saying, God, I'm open, why don't you hold out your hands? And I'd love to lead you in a prayer of commitment to the Lord this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. I confess my sin. And just now, why don't you say to him those things that you know are not right before God? I lay it all down at the foot of your cross. I believe you died for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe you rose, defeating the power of sin and death. And today, I give you my life.
I give you my everything. And I ask you to be Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer today, today starts, well, today continues a journey that God is writing in your life. And if you have prayed a prayer of commitment today, then um, we've got our prayer team to the left. And I really encourage you to come and speak to them today. They'll do a couple of things. They'll pray with you. They'll, they'll do a few things. They'll pray with you. They'll celebrate with you. But they'll also help you to take your next step on your journey of following Jesus. So please, if that's you today, don't just go. Come forward and speak to these guys. They'd love to stand with you and pray with you. Church, shall we celebrate? Shall we celebrate new life in Jesus? Shall we celebrate lives changed by Jesus? Let's stand and sing as we finish today. God bless you.